Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. You are an awesome God. We want to thank you that we could praise, we can worship you, we can come into your presence and glorify your name. And we pray, Holy Spirit, more of you in this place. We thank you that you are the living God, that nothing is impossible with you. We bless you, we honor you, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that going already? We'll find out. All right. If you have your Bibles with you, you want to open up to Mark chapter 16. Sorry? Okay. I'll read it to you. It's all right. I can say it. We're trying to work out how we can get the balance of lighting because when you turn the fluoros on, it's really stark in here. It's really like... So um, we have to put a couple of lights in, I think. <laughs> Try and get a bit of balance because... That's all right. We'll play with that. If you've got your phones, you can read it, so that's all right, you know, because they've got backlighting. That's why God invented smartphones. <laughs> Mark 16 is one of those really known passages. Well, part of it is, it's, it's the end of Mark's gospel, and it's where Jesus comes and gives the Great Commission. And he says at the start of it, in verse 15, you know, this is before Jesus disappears, and he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And most sermons end there because you know, your preacher wants you to go out and to share the good news and make disciples. And if you're already in church, they want you to be baptized. And, and that's the end of it. You don't get any more than that. But what we often miss is the next part, which is actually part of this commission. Jesus didn't say, just go out and preach the gospel and get people baptized. He also said, verse 17... And these signs will follow those who believe. Turn the person next to you and say, I believe. Because if you believe, this is actually what your life is supposed to be like. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it won't hurt them. So you can go to McDonald's in confidence. <laughs> and, they, and if you don't go with confidence, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. <laughs> this is a part of, this is like Jesus' parting comments. This is the time where he gets to say, I'm heading off. You're not going to see me for a while. So here's the biggie. He's got one chance to say one final thing face to face. And this is what he says. Go and tell everybody how wonderful I am. Go and tell them the good news. And when they believe you, baptize them. And by the way, Go and do a whole lot of miracles while you're at it. 
In fact, Jesus said that we would actually do more miracles than he ever did. Now, that sort of makes sense because there was only one of him. And there's lots of us. And if you read what John says, John says that they couldn't write down everything that Jesus did because there's sort of not enough paper to contain it. The Bible would be, you know, you'd be driving up in our trucks carrying our Bibles to church. So if Jesus did all those miracles and he says that we will do more, and then the final thing he says to us, his disciples, because he wasn't just saying it to them, he was saying it to us. Go and tell people about Jesus. Baptize them. And then cast out demons. Speak in other tongues. If you get bitten by snakes, don't worry about it. It's not going to hurt you. If you drink any poison, that's fine. It ain't going to touch you. That actually happened to John. History tells us that John was poisoned. And they couldn't kill him, so they had to exile him. And that's where he got revelation. And you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And what I find really interesting is that these are the things that the church has been into controversy over for many years. I, I sort of chuckle over the last 20 years. It's like the church has moved away in particular from the supernatural to try and be relevant to the world. And you know, going to many churches has, had become more like going to a concert. And the thinking behind it was that we need to be relevant, which we do. We need to be relevant to the world out there. And so the way of being relevant was to actually take any of the power out of the church so that people felt comfortable. But in doing that, the church became powerless. And you can go and hear a good sermon and you can have some wonderful music and some great entertainment, but there's no God encounter. And while the church was taking the power out of the church, the devil was putting the power into everything else. And, you know, vampire shows started going up and supernatural shows started coming on TV. And this whole switch happens. And it looks like the devil has more power than what God has. And the church gets into this mentality that it's been getting into for the last few centuries of not wanting to get into error, and so we take the supernatural out of our lives because we can get into error and we get into things that, that might not be God, they might be the devil, and we don't want to go on that bit, so it's better we don't go there at all. And so the church has become powerless. We wonder if we can pray for somebody who is sick and can they actually be healed? We don't know whether we should speak in tongues or not. Because some people say it's all right and some people say it's not. And we don't want to be one of those crazies. Well, let me tell you right now, Jesus was a crazy. He was not your normal teacher of the time. 
He didn't walk in and do what everybody else did. He went in and did what the Father was doing. And this is the problem, is the church is so focused on doing what it thinks is going to be acceptable, we've stopped doing what the Father wants us to do. You want to get somebody's attention, you want to take them to Jesus, it's not by being like them. Why should someone who is exactly the same as you come to Jesus if they can see no difference in your life? Oh, but I don't want to be ostracized at work. I don't want my friends to to reject me. Well, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He said, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. They misunderstood me, they're going to misunderstand you. But I tell you what, the journey is worth it. Because I don't know if you've ever prayed for somebody who's sick. But when they get healed, it's so cool. And you see, it's one of those funny things that the more you get into God's presence, the more you start to choose to do things God's way, the more His power comes into your life. And the more exciting things happen. And yes, sometimes the more weird you get. But you know what I figure? I figure God made the world. So everybody else is weird. Because if we're being like God, we're the originals. Yeah? We're going to change our thinking. The devil has sold us this amazing lie saying it's not acceptable to be a Christian. It's not acceptable to do this and to do that. We've got to stop trying to be like everybody else And start doing what our Father says to do and start being like Jesus. The funny thing is that when you start being like Jesus, you may lose some friends, but you'll gain a whole lot more. So what's it like to be like Jesus? One of my favorite passages is John 15. And uh, when I was... I was a Bible college member, the first group I led that wasn't a youth-based thing and the first sort of connect group I led, um, I had free reign to do what I like, which is really scary when you're like 17 and going, I have no idea. And I just read John 15 and sort of fell in love with John 15. And so I can remember teaching on John 15 and just teaching on John 15 and and really getting to John 15 because I got this revelation that John 15 is a really, really crucial chapter. John 15 talks about abiding in God. You know, people say, "I, I pray and I ask God and I don't see any breakthrough. My question is, are you abiding in Him? He says it's like, it's like, a grapevine, that he is that branch of the grapevine and we're the strands that come off him. And you know, with a grapevine, if you don't stay attached to the trunk of the vine, you die. You prune off, you cut off the branches that come off it and they die. I spent... An hour yesterday morning, 
weeding my front garden because we'd sort of neglected it for a few months. And the grass had grown in there. So, you know, digging down and, and trying to get the roots and, and the main bits of the grass out so that it doesn't regrow. Trying to disconnect it from the rest. Because when you disconnect it, it stops growing. And Jesus said, if you stay connected to me, then my life-giving force will flow into you and you'll produce fruit. Fruit that lasts. He says, in fact, if you abide in me, <coughs> I'll abide in you. And you can ask whatever you like and it'll be done. Now, see, we read that we can ask whatever you want and it'll be done and we get excited. And so we come and ask for whatever we want and it doesn't get done. And then we whinge and, and complain and, and say, this doesn't work. It's not working. But you've got to abide in him. You have to abide in him first. How do you abide in God? It's really quite simple. You know, we've made Christianity complex, but it's simple. It's picking up your Bible and actually reading it and thinking about what it says, even if it's just a few minutes every day. It's about talking with God. That's all prayer is. I don't know where prayer became complicated. I don't know at what point, you know, praying out loud like in a prayer meeting became such a big deal that you had to say the right words. Because that's not how God operates. He says, come and spend time with me. Come and worship me. Come and hang out with me in my presence. Read my word. Talk with me. Let me talk with you. Abide in me. And when you start to do that, God starts to change you from the inside and your spirit rises up and suddenly whatever you ask will be done. And a part of that asking is you can ask for healing. You can ask for miracles. You can even speak in tongues. I really hate that tongues is controversial in the church because tongues is powerful. There are two things that really get the devil running. Three things, sorry. One is worship. He hates worship because he was the worship leader in heaven. And when he saw all this worship, he wanted it for himself, and that's where he messed up. Tried to take over because he wanted the worship for him. Got kicked out of heaven. So he hates worship. So you want to get on his gate? Worship God. The second thing the devil hates is the word. Because Jesus and his word are one. And when you speak the word, you're speaking Jesus. And it was Jesus that went down and punched him in the face and trod on him and took all his power. The third thing the devil hates is tongues. And that's why he's made it controversial. That's why he's made confession of the word controversial. And that's why he's made worship controversial in the church. You want to start a fight? Change the worship in a church. Yeah? You want to get people upset? 
Start speaking the word of God like it's true. You say things like, I am more than a conqueror. People go, who are you to say that? I'm a child of God. Who are you to say that? Shouldn't you be a lowly worm? No, no. See, these things the devil has made controversial, and he's done the same with tongues because tongues is powerful. You see, when you pray in tongues, the devil does not know what you're saying. And so when you pray in tongues, you kick his butt. It's like worship to him. It gets him running. If it's controversial in the church, it's probably powerful. And if you want to see the miraculous in your life, you've got to have those aspects in your life. You've got to be abiding in God. You've got to be reading your word. You've got to be praying. You've got to be worshiping. Because when you do that, it builds up your faith within you. Because this takes me to my favorite verse, which if you've been around me longer than 10 minutes, you've probably heard me preach it already. If you're around longer than six months, you'll hear me preach at least four times. And that's Mark 11, where Jesus sees a fig tree and goes to get a fig off it, and there's no figs on it, so he curses it. Too bad for the fig tree. And they come back the next day, and as they pass it, Peter says, hey, look, the fig tree that you cursed is dead. And Jesus says to him, verse 22, have faith in God. Or a more accurate translation is, have the faith of God. And when you have the faith of God, you get the faith of God by the word of God, by speaking it over your life. And as you speak it, and as you speak it, and as you abide in him, and as you worship, and as you pray, you start to change how you think, because that's the battlefield. And you start to get the word of God in you, and it starts to change how you see life. You start to see the devil as powerless. It says in Revelation, we're going to get to heaven we're going to be face to face with the devil and we're going to go, we were worried about that. It's like if a worm started to wiggle across this floor, is anybody going to freak out? Why not? Because you can stomp on it. That's the devil. He's just this little wormy thing. And yet, you can get some people who will see the worm and they'll go, ah! It's like cockroaches. Has anyone here ever been injured by a cockroach? Has anyone ever heard of anybody being injured by a cockroach? Then why are we afraid of the stupid things? They don't walk out with, you know, they don't have any stingers, they don't bite. They don't have power to do anything. And yet we're afraid of them. Satan's the same. He actually does not have the power and authority to hurt you at all. Because Jesus completely defeated him. But he sold us this lie, just like the cockroach. That there is something to be afraid of. I'm going to dob my wife in it right here. I remember coming home when we were first married. I would come home 
and there'd be these glasses on the kitchen floor, upside down. What is going on? And uh, this lovely rental house we had, and you'd go, and, and each glass would be a cockroach. And Dale's solution for handling cockroaches was, I put a glass on them, then they can't go anywhere, and Phil will fix it when he comes home. <laughs> They don't hurt. They're like the devil. And when you get the word of God in you, you start to get that perspective and you start to realize that you can stomp on a cockroach. And that you can use the word of God to stomp on the devil. And there's nothing he can do it any more than what the cockroach can do about it, except run. God has given you, miraculous power, because it says that God lives within you. And if God lives within you, then you have within you all of the power of heaven. But you've got to change how you think, because the thing that stops the power of God coming out of you is how you think. That's your battlefield. That's where the devil comes. You see, we think the cockroach is threatening us in some way, and so we go, ah, and run away. And we do the same with the devil. He's got us into thinking that he's going to hurt us, and so we go, ah, and run away. But we need to have the faith of God. He says that when you have the faith of God, you can go to a mountain and say, mountain, into the sea, and it's gone. Whatever the mountain in your life is, whether it's a mountain of debt, whether it's a mountain of sickness, whether it's relationship problems, work problems, whatever the issue in your life is, you have the power to speak to that and say, get out of my life. It doesn't have a place in your life. God didn't put it there. See, we've got to really change our thinking. And I feel like I'm about to preach 17 sermons in one, so I'm going to start finishing, otherwise I will. But we've got to change how we think from God brings the bad stuff. God doesn't bring the bad stuff. Let me ask you, who did Jesus make sick when he was here on earth? Absolutely. Jesus did not make anybody sick in the whole time he was on earth. And Jesus is a reflection of the Father, isn't he? And we're told to be like Jesus, aren't we? And he's the same yesterday and today and forever, isn't he? So if Jesus, in the whole 33 years he was on earth, did not make anybody sick, what's changed? Nothing's changed. So sickness is not from heaven. When God made the earth... And he put Adam and Eve here. He didn't say, well, I need to make sure that Adam and Eve stay right, so I'm going to give them bubonic plague. There was no sickness. When did sickness come into the earth? At the point of sin. So what does that tell you? Where does that tell you sickness came from? 
It came from the devil. And he's been selling this lie, saying, oh, it's God. It's God. And the church has bought it, hook, line, and sinker. It's God testing us. God doesn't test you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Trials may come your way, but he ain't going to test you. Because Jesus took the test for us. And it works the same for things like financial lack. I mean, Jesus was wealthy enough, he had a treasurer, and the treasurer was able to steal without anybody noticing. Don't tell me Jesus was poor. Oh, but he had no place to lay his head. Why would he want to buy a house? He was only ministering for three years. Takes at least five from the garden value. See, we've got to change how we think about getting the miraculous power of God in our lives. We actually should be walking in power and authority. And I'm going to finish now, otherwise I'm going to head into a whole new sermon and we'll never get out of here. And I know some of you want lunch. But, but let me just say, I feel like it was an intro into probably what's coming over the next few weeks, that we have a good God. We have a loving God. And we have a powerful God. And His plan and purpose for your life and for my life is for us to walk in that goodness and that love and that power. But the only thing stopping us is not Him. It's us. He actually did it all on the cross. He poured out every bit of healing we'll ever need. Every bit of blessing we'll ever need was poured out right there on the cross. It's like the Christmas tree. He's put the presents under the tree. Our job is to pick up the presents and unwrap them. That's why he calls them spiritual gifts. So I want to encourage you to really push in and start abiding in God. To be a person that is reading your Bible. That is praying every day, even if it's just a few minutes in the morning and a few minutes in the evening. To connect in with Him. And over the next few weeks, I'm sure we'll talk about the power and the presence of God. We'll talk about having more of Him in our lives. Because I want us to be a church that people look at and they go, you know, this is, it says in the New Testament of the church, it says that people were too afraid to go near them. We understand, you know, Ananias and Sapphira walked in, lied about their offering, and they died. Isn't it funny that the first, first death in the Old Testament, the first death in the New Testament were both bad offerings? Don't tell me your tithes and offerings don't matter. but they were too afraid to go and join the church. And then it says, and the Lord added to their number daily. In other words, people were afraid to be there, but it was just so irresistible, they had to be there. Because they were sick and they wanted healing. They were broken and they wanted to be made whole. 
They had lack and they wanted breakthrough in their lives and they saw the only place they could get it was in the power of God through his church. That's who we should be. That's who I would love us to be. And I say we keep pushing and we keep pushing until it's who we are. Because I don't know about you, but I'm a little sick of going through life, just sort of going through life. I want to go through life, like Dale says, on a Harley. Because a moped just doesn't cut it for me. I want to go through life, I want to make some noise. But not just noise for the sake of the noise, the sort of noise that changes people's lives, that sees the miracle power of God flowing through us, transforming people's lives. It's about time people stopped dying of cancer and started living because Jesus has healed them. It's about time people stop walking around limping, limbs missing, blind, deaf. It's time they had an encounter with God. It's time for the church to stand up and be the church. And I say, let's be that church. But it starts by abiding in Him. So let's start that. Let's abide in Him. Let's worship Him. Let's read His Word. Let's pray. Let's make it a daily journey. And when we come back together every Sunday, let's make that a part of our Sunday journey. Let's worship Him like it's the last time we get to worship Him. Let's meet together. Let's serve together. Let's be the church He made us to be. And I know that God's Word is true. He says if we start abiding in Him, He's willing to abide in us. And that miracle power will start to flow. It's not about earning it. It's about changing how we think. And the only way to do that is by putting in the right stuff. He's a good God. Let's show the world he's a good God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are good, that you do love us, that you are the all-powerful, all-sufficient, all-loving one. Father, we want to see your love poured out, not just in our lives, but in the lives of the people of this city. So we make a choice today, Father, to abide in you. We make a choice today to seek after you, to put you first in our lives. Father, we pray that you be true to your word. As we abide in you, you will abide in us. That your miracle power, your love will flow through us and transform our lives and the lives of the people in the world you have placed us. That you be glorified. Lord, I pray anybody here who may be struggling with sickness, Father, I pray even now 
You bring healing on their lives in Jesus' name. Father, where people have a lack, whether it's financial lack, Father, or maybe relationship issues, Father, I pray your abundance right now in the name of Jesus. Father, where there is brokenness, you will bring restoration and joy. Lord, I pray your blessing on every person here in the name of Jesus. Amen.